the host of this podcast, lived a life that included 52 trips to Las Vegas to bet on baseball for a living. A life that included selling over $1.5 million worth of bootleg DVDs and lost it all. A life that included being sued by the NFL for $10 million. A $119,000 tax lien. House in foreclosure. No job. Divorced. An emotional wreck. Living on government assistance. And finally on the floor with a gun to his head. And now he's risen from the ashes. From the ashes. And turned it all around. This is the League King Podcast with Russ Ward. Tactics and strategies to grow your digital marketing business. Get clients and produce amazing results. Russ will teach you strategies that he used to build himself up from one of the lowest points of his life. Now, with a thriving, growing business that just had its first $30,000 month... He can teach you to go from zero to $10,000 a month and more. This is the Lead King Podcast, and this is Russ Ward. Welcome once again to the Lead King Podcast. My name is Russ Ward. I am the Lead King, and I am your host. Today, I have a special guest that is outside the norm of what we usually do here on the Lead King Podcast. A lot of times, I will talk to you and tell you some stories about how I came up as a marketer and you know some new tactics that I'm using along the way. But today, we are having a guest who I actually met in a really cool way, and we're going to get into that in a little bit. And I just thought her personality was so cool and so engaging, and she was such a good storyteller. And I just had such a good time when I met this woman that I had to get her on the podcast, and we would figure it out and work marketing into it somehow. So today, my podcast guest is Stephanie Love. Stephanie Love is just one of the coolest people I've met. She actually runs a business where she educates people on how to drink wine, how to test wine, how to smell wine. And that's how I met her. And we're going to get more into that. Uh, I'm sure I, I kind of butchered that up a little bit. Welcome to the Lead King podcast, Stephanie. It is a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Russ. I appreciate you saying all those kind words. I'm like, oh my gosh, now I got to live up to all this stuff that you said. And, and, and I thought you did great in terms of describing what I do. Yes, yes. I definitely help people to be more intelligent in their choices of how to drink wine and how to enjoy it in their everyday life. So you did great. Awesome. I, I appreciate that. And, and I'll tell you what, you you made the class that we took so engaging. And I mean, we just we just had a, such a good time. You were you were talking about like how to actually romance your wine as you drank it. And I was just like, man, this woman can tell some stories. I, I got to hear more of this stuff. Guys, just to let you know how I met Stephanie, it's, it's a really cool story. So I had gone on a first date with somebody and um, I was looking for something cool to do on our second date. I like to take my dates on cool events that aren't traditional norm. I'm not a dinner and a movie kind of guy. And Stephanie was having this wine tasting event and she was having some chocolate and some crackers and some cheese. And I thought that it would be really cool if I could take my date to her event. And it ended up that the event was locked out. And I just sent Stephanie an email and I said, hey, I got this really cool girl I want to bring on a date. I'd love to impress her. And she got right back to me and she says, I can't let that go. I'm going to let you in. So we went, we had a great time and uh, that's how we met. And, and it was really cool. Wasn't it, Stephanie? It really was. And I was like, how could I turn them down after such a cool story? You know, because like I'm a hopeless romantic. I, I love that story and was like, oh, I got to help. 
<laughs> and, and it was it was definitely helpful because she she, appreciated it. she had a really good time that night too. And by the way, guys, awesome. we're still seeing each other. So all the ladies out there that have their eye on me, this girl's about to lock me down. Ooh, okay, watch out now. <laughs> so Stephanie, tell us a little bit about your business. How, what do you what exactly do you do, and and how did you get into it? Okay, so the name of my business is Epicurious One, and people may ask why the name Epicurious. That actually is a term for um, people who want to enjoy a culture through that culture's food and wine. So I was like, yes, that's me. I'm Epicurious. If if I can enjoy culture, yes, I like going to museums and things like that, but let's let's be honest i love food and wine so i was like a way there's like a term for that for people who actually enjoy a culture through its food and wine i was like that's me that's me i'm the epicurious one and then i'm gonna start this business and then i'm going to as a wine educator expose people to food and wine from diverse cultures and whatnot and they're gonna become epicurious ones too and and just grow a community of people who come together enjoying food and wine whether it be that they are you know enthusiasts wanting to learn more novices who just started don't have a clue or even wine professionals and they just want to learn more so epicurious one is is my passion baby and i'm growing growing it to provide opportunities for people not only in florida but outside of Florida to be able to learn more about wine in a setting that is fun, that is engaging, and to show people that wine can be fun, that it should be fun, that you shouldn't be stressed out about what you don't know, because it's impossible to know everything there is to know. So I feel like this, if it's impossible, then just enjoy the journey and, and learn what you can and don't feel bad about what you don't know. <laughs> yep. and, and I can tell you guys, she made it very fun. I, I thought when I was going to a wine testing event, it was going to be this formal thing and I was going to feel stupid because I didn't know what to do. But she she was giving examples of like how you twirl your wine around and how to romance your wine so you can smell it the right way and lick it the right way and all this good stuff <laughs> to get it finally down your throat. And, it, and it, she just made it so much fun. I, I had never had so much fun drinking wine in my life. So you got started out. You didn't start a business right away. You got started out planning events and then and then you moved further down the road. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, you, said you had yes. a journey because you were you were the only African-American woman that was in most of these events. And, and it was a little bit of a, a hurdle for you to go over, right? It really was. It really was. So I got serious about the wine industry like over 15 years ago. And during that time, um, you know, wine tastings, classes and things like that were pretty stuffy. And they weren't as fun. I mean, you will come to a tasting, you try these wines and they give you bread and crackers and would show you a PowerPoint telling you about these wines and whatnot. And you would just be like, okay, because I love this wine, I'm going to stay here, but I'm bored. And the, the more I learned about wine and my enjoyment of it grew, I was like, this really can be fun. And I would like to show that side of wine to people. I want people to know that you you can enjoy learning about wine without being stressed out. And being that 
I'm a, you know, a female and, and, a, and a person of color and not seeing many people who look like me in the wine industry. I was like, I also wanted to be my business to expose my culture to wine and for them to see me doing it and maybe even think, you know, I might want to go into the wine industry as a profession or I think this would be really cool because I saw someone who looked like me doing it. So that's something else that is um, important to me as as much as I, I love reaching diverse people who who are novices or enthusiasts who want to enjoy and learn more. I'm particularly fond of reaching people of color because oftentimes we're ignored at, at events centered around wine or not thought of as people who would seriously be interested in, in wine or marginalized to think that we only drink sweet wine. So I want to build a community that shows that that's not necessarily the case. <laughs> right. I, I get that. I, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And so I, w- I was reading in, in some of the things that you, you sent to me before the interview, you had unsuccessful attempts to become a sales rep. And on the Lee King podcast, I, I've had a really tough time in my past and I I've told a lot of stories about how I overcome that. Can you tell us some difficulties you've had of getting into the wine industry and kind of how you overcame them? Maybe some things that set you back and and what happened because of those? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So back over 15 years ago when I was trying to learn about the wine industry, because no one told me that there was like a set path to become a sommelier. No one told me there was a test I could take, that there was classes or that there's certain jobs that you can apply for. So on my own, I started doing research research and decided that through planning events and connecting with distributors to help me with picking the wines for the events that I was doing, I was thinking to myself, well, if I have, in my mind, a great relationship with them, that maybe they could tell me how I could do what they do. So I started applying for jobs and they would humor me by interviewing me and say, oh, you don't know enough about um, wines of France and fine wines of France, or, oh, you don't know enough about Italy. You don't know enough about Spain. So I would spend a lot of money trying these wines, exposing myself to these wines, studying on my own, no no instructor, none of that, trying to figure it out myself and then come back, go on another interview and be like, well, do I have it now? Do I have it now? And then after like the third or fourth interview, I was like, the problem is not that you don't have enough knowledge. They can't see you representing fine wines. When they see fine wines of Europe, they don't see you. That's the problem. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do my own thing. And what I'm going to do, because I got all this knowledge now and got exposed to some amazing wines around the world that I love. I was like, that's okay. I'm going to plan events and plan parties and invite my friends and family or do them for people in their homes. And so I used to do in-home parties and fundraisers for nonprofit organizations for years. Because I couldn't get into get into sales. Then 2014, I moved to Atlanta and find out, oh, there is a path that you can take to become a sommelier. Oh, there are organizations where you can take classes and a test. And so I started working at Atlanta Wine School, which is part of Vino Venue. And they were so shocked to find out that I didn't know that. They're like, what do you mean? Well, how did you, how did you learn all this information? How did you know all the things that you know? 
because they employed me as as a um, event assistant and as part of their service team and was like, well, how did you learn all of this? I was like, well, I did a lot of studying on my own. It just blew them away. They were floored. So it was like, from that point on, they were like, you're going to take every class we have to offer. You have something and we want to unleash that and support you however we can. So through that mentorship and that family relationship, which I still enjoy to this day, I became Wine and Spirit Education Trust Level 2 certified. And they were just supportive of me and was like, you know, you really have a, a knack for teaching. And I said, you know what? I think I, I think I do. I really, really enjoy teaching. So when I left Atlanta, they were like, go spread your wings and do your own thing. You don't need to, don't need to work for anybody else. Go build your own thing. And I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can start my own business. I don't know if I can do that. And they're like, yes, you can. Yes, you can. And I did. And that's how Epicurious One got started was I moved to St. Pete in 2018 and was like, okay, they said I'm ready. I'm going uh, I'm to start a business. <laughs> That's that's an amazing story. <laughs> so yeah. basically, you didn't fit the description of what most wine tasting companies would oh, have to represent their brand, right? That's pretty much what the problem was. Not. Absolutely not. They couldn't see that people of color could represent excellence and style and elegance and class as it relates to wine. You know, they didn't see that, but I'm here to blow that myth out of the water. And then I have a community of other wine professionals who look like me. I was fortunate enough to connect with a group on Facebook called Black Wine Lovers Group. Oh my goodness. I found out there are a lot of people of color that are doing some amazing things in the wine industry all over the country. And some of them are even in other countries such as Germany and South Africa and Italy, and they're building their own table. That's exactly what we try to you know, share here on the Lead King podcast is we want to take stories like this and inspire you, right? So while Stephanie's talking about building a wine business, and maybe you're somebody who don't fit the description and you go in and you're looking for a job and you can't get a job at a digital marketing agency somewhere, hell, why don't you just go out and start your own? You get the skills. And because you were basically rejected, because probably because of the color of your skin, you went out and you started your own business and look at you. Now you're here today and you have a hundred bottles of wine behind you. You're having a good time. and. And here we are. And I'm just getting warmed up because here's here's the other thing I would say to people listening to this. If you don't fit the description for some uh, career that you want to go into, most often you're going to be underestimated, too. So with that being said, as you're building your table, just quietly build it and then just unleash. Go forth and do that big, great, scary thing. That's what I'm getting ready to do. Being that I don't fit the description of what the wine industry was looking for. And now that's that's starting to change. And I'm going to be a part of that change. Don't underestimate me five years from now, or maybe even two years or next year. I'm going to be doing some great things because I'm strategically working on that. So I would say that to people listening to this podcast, 
work on your strategy, believe that you can do it. And instead of trying to fit the mode of a description of what somebody says you should and could be, be you. That is such solid advice. I, I, got, I literally got chills when you said that because <laughs> so many people I know specifically in the marketing business, I don't think anybody ever woke up one day and said, I want to be a marketer. We all had something jacked up happen in our life. And it was one of the Hail Marys we were throwing out there and, and it, it kind of landed for me and a bunch of other people. So a lot of people will resonate with that message to, to just go out there and, and just kind of put your head down, do your thing. And then one day you pop up and you're an overnight success because that's what everybody thinks, but they don't see everybody think. Mm -hmm. They think not knowing you've been plotting and planning the whole time. And you know what? By the time you come out there, it's too late. And and you going ahead and um, taking over a, a lion's share of, of the market because you were underestimated. So I think of being underestimated now as a blessing because you won't, you won't see me coming. <laughs> Let's turn the conversation a little bit to marketing, kind of the theme of the podcast just for a moment. Um, sure. I found you and I found your class through um, Eventbrite. And I had actually done some marketing on Eventbrite. I never really did it on a large scale, but is, is that how you market most of your events? What else do you do to, to market your business and get people to come to your wine tastings? Because I oh, noticed I that mm -hmm. your, whole, your whole place was sold out. I mean, I was the last two in with, with um, my date and I, and everybody was basically busting down the doors to get in. So you must be doing something right. I'm grateful for that. I really, really am. So for me, I, I market through Eventbrite and um, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and I'm consistent with my images and pictures that I use. So it's like whatever I use on Eventbrite as my picture and my hashtags, I use those same ones in Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and then another platform called um, The Juice, which is a platform that allows people to host wine-related events that they are hosting. So in being consistent across the board, I think that will make it easier for people to find me or remember me or be like, you know what? I saw that person here and I saw them there because we all know it takes more than one touch for a person to ultimately convert to a customer. But if you're consistent in those touches and they keep seeing the same thing, they're going to be like, wait a minute, let me take a look at this. And then I try to pick words or um, hashtags that don't just resonate with me, but ones that I think would resonate with my customers. Like I put myself in the shoes of that person and say, if I were going to come to the to your wine tasting, Stephanie, what would I be looking for? What would I be sitting on my computer looking for? or what terms would be used so that you pop up. And for me, some of those hashtags are like um, wine tasting, wine and cheese, uh, wine class, things to do in Tampa, things to do in St. Pete, wine events. And, you know, I try to pick things that are going to try to boost, boost me up and may resonate with that person. So when you're, when you're marketing, um, not only just think, but I got to hurry up and get it out there so people can see me, but Think about the customer journey and put yourself in their shoes and think what would they do or what would catch their eye as opposed to yours. You know, that's exactly what I do as a marketer. I'm always mm -hmm. thinking, how would this relate to my audience? A lot of times I'll look at something and I'm like, ah, I don't think that looks good. And it will convert yes. like crazy, even though I think it's ugly. And even though I think it wouldn't work, I, it, I, I've been running the same exact ad in one certain industry for three years now. 
it's the ugliest that I've ever run, but it converts like crazy. And uh-huh. I don't know why it converts, but it doesn't matter. It's always what your audience wants. So That's you're putting so out some true. solid, some solid advice here. You're talking about keyword research. You're talking about, um, you're talking about copywriting and copywriting is the, the words that we use to describe. And then I'm assuming this is all organic. And by organic, I mean, you're doing this, you're not doing paid ads, right? You're just posting this for no, free over the place. I'm right? doing free. I'm doing, I don't pay for any ads or anything like that just yet. And cause I was like, well, let me see what I can do first and check my analytics and find out how are people finding me? And if I can sell out all of my classes without ads, then why pay for it? So I would tell someone starting out new in business, you have a lot of expenses as is, you know, try free first and check your analytics to see what is resonating with people and don't start paying for stuff until a little bit later. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I, I think that's how all of us start out in business. <laughs> nobody has money for advertising at first. So if you if you have a good offer, people are going to take you up on it. So mm-hmm. a couple more things before we go. I did want to ask you this. I don't know if you'll do it for us, but the way you <laughs> describe taking a glass of wine like like a lover, like could could you could you go over that with me real quick? Yeah, I'll go over that. Okay, do that so for my audience. Yes. Okay, so here's here's the thing. I like to meet people where they are and use euphemisms and metaphors that resonate with everybody across the board. And so I describe wine like people and I describe the wine experience like interacting with people, whether it's romantic or friendships or whatever that resonates with people. So like with the class, when I took you guys through the five S's, right, where you're engaging all five of your senses. And for those of you out there who don't know what the five S's are, this is this is kind of what it is. So the the five S's is you have a glass of wine and the first S is you see it. So you look at it, you know, and that's kind of like when you first meet someone and they catch your eye. You're looking at them and admiring their beauty, right? So then the second S is you swirl the wine. And that would be like, okay, you see this person and you like what you see and you take the chance to maybe go up and engage that person in conversation, right? And you're assessing what you may think, which leads to the third S after you swirl, then you smell it, take in the aromas, right? And that would be like, if you met a person, you take in their aura and you're spending time in front of them because they attracted you visually. You decided, okay, I want to walk over there and get to know this person. You come into their space. They smell good. That's a wonderful thing. Their aura or their energy is good. So you're like, oh, okay, okay. I like I like what's, what's happening right now. This is, this is going pretty good. I want to go further. So then with wine, the fourth S is you take a sip. If you're the uh, meeting this person and you and, and so equating it to meeting someone. All right. Now you decided to go on a date with this person and you make a decision, which is the fifth S, which is savor and, and savoring wine. It, does it have a short finish, medium finish, long finish? And do you like it? Equate that to meeting a person, dating a person. It is 
Now, okay, I went on a date with that person. This seems like somebody I would want to get to know long term or maybe, oh, maybe they just have fun with, hang out with, nothing too serious or what have you. And you make a decision. Is this the kind of person I want to have around me long term, short term or what have you? And do I like them with the wine after you've gone through these five S's and you decide after savoring it, is this a wine I would want to buy again? <laughs> Did I like it? Did I not like it? Would I want this with food? And if so, what food would I pair it with? You know? And so using that type of analogy of meeting a person, I think it makes it easier to uh, stick in a person's mind and easier to connect wine to them in a way that is more approachable. Absolutely. And, and I'll yes. tell you, when you told that story just like that during your class, I was so into listening to you because you were so animated. You were holding the glass up and you were staring at it and smelling it. I was just like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so much fun because quite honestly, I had the impression I'm going to a wine tasting. This is going to be a little stuffy, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. And then you livened it up and made it fun right away, which was, which yeah. was really awesome. So that, that was really cool. Thank you so much for that. Um, oh, you're welcome. <laughs> so guys, for anybody here in the uh, Tampa St. Pete area, and I know a lot of my listeners are here because there's a lot of marketers that, that come here and a lot of marketers listen to my podcast. Uh, Stephanie has an offer for listeners of the Lee King podcast. If you would like to come to any of her classes on a monthly basis at the cultural suite. She has a 10% discount code LK10 Lima Kilo for, for you military types, Lima Kilo one zero. And she would be happy to give you 10% off to come in and let her know that you came from the podcast because it'd be really cool if you could say, Hey, I heard you on the podcast and, and kind of just have a little bit of fun with that. Right. So we're kind of going to tie it up here. Uh, we went over some really cool things and we appreciate your story. I mean, it was, it was really cool to hear how you came up in the, in the wine business and the obstacles you overcame and, and the way you describe wine. You're just so much fun, Stephanie. I really appreciate you being here. Uh, any last words you want to leave us with? Thank you, Russ. Thank you so much. My parting words would be this. Food is fun. Wine is wonderful. Paired together is phenomenal. Enjoy wine and life one sip at a time. You've been listening to the Lead King Podcast with Russ Ward. Russ Ward has been through everything. Losing houses, money, a wife sued by the NFL, tax liens, and through it all has risen from the ashes. Yes, the Lead King Podcast covers tactics and strategies to grow your digital marketing business, acquire clients, and of course, get results. But more than that, we talk about the mindset that's required to endure the frustrations, the failures, and the setbacks of growing a marketing agency. You can reach out to Russ by phone at 813-278-7040. Email Russ at russward at theleadking.com. On Facebook at The Lead King. And on Instagram at Lead King Digital Marketing. And the website is theleadking.com. If you want to grow your digital marketing business from nothing to 10K a month and beyond, and if you want to learn how some of the best in the business did it, you're in the right place. Till next time, this is the Lead King Podcast. Signing off. 